Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who thinks House of Cards is way too generous to politicians, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is someone who has sat here before, Bradley Tusk, the CEO of Tusk Holdings. He's a venture capitalist, the former campaign manager for Mike Bloomberg. I think he's been, like, governor of Ohio at one point. What Illinois. Was Illinois, governor, okay, really. whatever, yeah. one of those states out there. And he's also the author of a new book called The Fixer, My Adventures Saving Startups from Death by Politics. Bradley, this is such a topical topic now since we last talked. Welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you. My, my book may also make House of Cards seem generous. To okay, all right. Comparison. So let's like let's get the background. Explain who you are. We had last yeah. podcast. We t- you worked for Uber. You worked yeah. for a whole bunch of stuff about regulatory issues yeah. around tech companies. So, so the That's things that are probably most interesting to this audience mm-hmm. is um, I founded and run a venture capital fund called Tus Ventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only fund that I'm aware of that works solely at the intersection of tech and politics. Right. So we invest in and work with startups in regulated industries where we think that by virtue of our work, we mm-hmm. can really move the needle for the company. And you would work for Mayor Bloomberg. Yeah, so my, you know, I've been Mike Bloomberg's campaign manager, Chuck Schumer's communications director, as you mentioned, deputy governor of Illinois. For? Uh, a guy named Rob Blagojevich, who <laughs> uh, is now enjoying a 14-year jail sentence. Yeah, you close for you, too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. started working with Uber in 2011, kind of figured out the whole strategy, how we mobilize our customers to beat the taxi industry. Mm-hmm. And then broaden that into a broader venture business in 2015. And you had taken yeah. taken stock in these. Kind of, that's what you wanted, yeah. Right. But you're you're offered to them because it, before before I guess even Steve Case wrote that book about the third wave that a lot of these new startups are in regulated industries yeah. heavily. Um, your thing was listen, you people don't know squat about don't local shit about politics, politics yeah, right. right? And they they didn't like it and they didn't want to be part of it. No, I mean the the typical answer that I would get, and, and <laughs> for all of Travis's flaws to his Travis credit, Kalanick. Kalanick, he right because now we also have he's Travis a co-founder and ex CEO, ousted CEO. Yeah, I like to say ousted CEO. He probably wouldn't like that as much, but yeah, um, too bad that's what happened. But he did, to his credit, understand the need to take the politics seriously. Right. So I'm working with him, mm-hmm. and it's fun because these are fun fights and mm-hmm. we're winning and super you know, aggressive the value of my equity is skyrocketing not right. realizing there'll probably never be a one like that again yeah right but i don't know that right so thinking hey i should do more of these right and so i would g- get an introduction to some founder and i'd mm-hmm. say look you're in this regulated industry here's who if you're successful you're going to disrupt and take market share away from right. here's i'm gonna, the fixer they're going to politically hurt you in this way this way and this way I can try to stop that. And I'll do it for equity, by the way, not realizing that, like, not all equity is created equal. I need to know enough to know there's a difference. And the response I would get consistently was, like, oh, you poor child, you don't understand. 
Right. I went to Stanford. Right. I was in Y Combinator. Right. John Doerr's on my board. <laughs> and when that stupid regulator <laughs> That's when you sees how face, smart probably. I am, that's where a New Yorker pops exactly. in the face. So, yeah. you know, there was a, a four-year period or four-and-a-half-year period from when I started working with Uber. And we, you know, we took on rideshare in every market in the U.S. Right. It wasn't a small undertaking until when I got other startups to start working with us. And then in raising our fund, same thing. Every LP says, I want a differentiated strategy. Mm-hmm. It turns out they mean like a different font in the deck. Like when right. this political guy showed up and said— I'm going to get access to all of these deals mm-hmm. because these companies are going to really need my help, and they just they can't get my help without me having investment rights. Right. You know, that's like, oh, that's too weird. You mm-hmm. know, now that we're in Bird and Circle and Coinbase and Lemonade and Row and all right. these names, companies. Right, names of the companies you're so, in. So uh, in terms of the investment fund. So how much did you raise? You raised $37 million. Okay, which is small. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But we're investing. Any Saudi money, I got to no, ask no this week. <laughs> No Saudi Kuwaiti? Money. No, so we, we were joking the other day that Russian. If, if you're a startup and you're desperate for money, Saudi is probably a pretty good target. Yeah, right, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, if you have no soul, but move along, yeah, Bradley. Yeah, but I'm, I'm assuming okay. that. Uh, $37 million, we invest mainly Series A, mm-hmm. sometimes C. So small. Uh, yeah, early, because look, I don't need management fees to run my business because I have other businesses that make right. money. So the much bigger upside from our perspective is, is earlier, and it's also just more fun, right? Right. So Bird, uh, right. we invested in their Series A. We've been working all over the country to make scooters. Which is a scooter. Markets. Right. Uh, Having some trouble in San Francisco. Definitely San Francisco, but we won Miami a week ago. Yeah. New York's looking we'll good. We'll get into Chicago. all these things, yep. right? um, We're in Coinbase. Mm-hmm. We're in Circle. Or in so le- these are all Bitcoin. I mean, uh, Coinbase and Circle are both, yeah, exchanges, exchanges for, for right. crypto. Um, right. Lemonade, which is the insurance tech startup, right. same thing as getting them their license in every state in the U.S. Right. Uh, Roe, which is a, a men's healthcare company that has raised mm-hmm. a gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. FanDuel, Nexo. Another problematic issue about Yeah, gambling. and that's why they need us, right? right. N- nobody needs me if you don't have problems. Right, right. Because right? <laughs> money is defi- cheap everywhere. Yeah, right? by definition, right? You can, right. There's lots of VCs that can fund something. Right. But if you say, I need to win this fight in 13 states, 18 like cities, whatever it is, like a bird, like an Uber, right, like, right. A, like a FanDuel, like a Lemonade, whatever it is, right. then we're the only one to do that. Right. right. Okay. So you – and you had spent your time in politics and doing all kinds of deals and stuff like that. But this is yeah. – this is so this you decided to write this book, My Adventure in Startups, Saving Death by Politics. Talk a little bit about the book, and then I want to get into specifics around bird and all these yeah. other things with the new regulatory challenges in the next section. So, but talk about – so you, you decided to do this book. For a few reasons. So right. one the is – the fixer is not yeah. a good – image, right? The fixture is Not like necessarily, guy, but my right? editor, you know, some different profiles have called mm-hmm. me that. My editor really liked the title. And right. when Michael Cohen started being called that, we were like, oh, maybe we should yeah, change right. it. And yeah, that's like, right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're keeping our title. You sound like Michael Cohen. I grew up with his, his brother was my <laughs> best friend growing up. I've known <laughs> Michael for 40 like, years. Um, I'll fix that for you. I haven't you. talked to him in a while. What do you say but, to Giles? Yeah. I'll take care of uh, it. I'll take care of it. Yeah, exactly. So, a few things. So, one is, I actually just love to write. When I was in college, I was in a creative writing program. Like, there was that moment where I decided, do I do writing or politics. Uh-huh. I pick politics. It's worked out okay. But just the opportunity to, hey, I have I have still hopefully some writing ability plus a story to tell right. was enough to get people interested in the book itself. And then, look, we can work with, invest in a dozen startups at a given time. There's mm-hmm. 17,000, I think, mm-hmm. in the U.S. right now. So mm-hmm. um, even though I want the ones in my portfolio to do better than the other ones, I don't want any of them to get screwed over by, like, pay-to-play politics mm-hmm. and just entrenched interests, mm-hmm. squashing innovation. You know, it's right. one thing when Facebook or Uber now or mm-hmm. Google behaves that. badly. That's right. one thing. But when a, when a Series A company isn't able to actually even compete right, because, because of the that. casino industry or the hotel industry right. doesn't want competition, right. that's right. not cool. And that's not good right. for anyone except them. Right. So it was like, how can we help the other 16,988 startups that right. we can't work with at least think about this stuff intelligently, sure. right? Sure. And so the book is, the first third is, you know, my experiences in politics, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly. So Bloomberg, right. Schumer, Blagojevich, Rendell, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right. Next third was 
Uber right. and you know how Travis and I figure out how to basically right. mobilize our customers to, to beat the right. taxi cartel. Right. And then the last third are case studies that are hopefully still entertaining to read right. in the form of what we did for Tesla, FanDuel, Lemonade, right. Handy, Ease, right. and so on. And then ends with my argument for this thing we're working on at my foundation, which is blockchain voting. Right. So people can vote in elections on their phones. I, it has to be. Has to be on their phones. We're going to get into all this, and so and you have like sections of the thing of of, of learning about politics, and so tech people do not know politics. No, they think they do. Yes, how so? Because when I my lasting memory is having Bill Gates down to the Washington Post when I was there, when he was right before the monopoly thing, and I'll never forget. He said he was in one of those editor meetings. We had invited him there, and it was oh, it had to be in the '90s, sometime like the early '90s, and he said, "I don't need a lobbyist in Washington." I don't need lobbyists. I got some lobbyists up in Rockville, like some guy, like some guy. Good enough. And a federal one. And I said, wow, that's really arrogant of you because I think people are going to start getting interested in your monopoly he, power. It turns out he had a few issues. Right. He? He didn't yeah. have, they didn't have any lobbying presence. Just one guy. And he became a big lobbyist for them eventually as they started to hire. And all I remember saying to him was, you know, Washington is full of ex-student body vice presidents with subpoena power. And it seems to me that perhaps you do need that. And then since then, obviously, they staffed up, Google staffed up. That's on the federal level, yeah. not just on the local level. But I think that the two but, reasons why, so on... on but the, has that changed? Has that from your... It has changed a little bit because I think the combination of the really big companies having so many problems right now, right. combined with Uber and Airbnb and other startups, just having lots of high-profile fights all over the country. That are regular—their businesses are re- yeah, regulatory. Regu- all over the country and all over the world mm-hmm. has certainly raised awareness. Look, when we were first launching our fund, I had to beg people to meet with me about taking my money. Right. Now people will call and say, if you're on the cap table, it signals that we're taking this stuff seriously. That makes right. other investors happy. Right. If you want an allocation, we may right. or may not. Right. Um, but that's definitely a sea change in terms of mentality. Right. But you still have a lot of people in tech who think they get politics, and I think it's a result of two things. One is really smart people who don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and they assume just because they've been really successful in one walk mm-hmm. of life that applies to everything. Right. And the other is because they're rich usually, politicians kiss their ass because they want right. their money. Right, exactly. Now, do they really care what these people think about anything other than writing the check? No, no not no. in the slightest. Right. But you have to pretend. So right. they get asked, what's your view on healthcare and education right. and energy right. policy and all these things right. um, that go in one ear and out the other. Some mm-hmm. staffer pretends to take notes in the background, mm-hmm. but it makes them feel like, A, right. they know stuff, and B, oh, I have all the access in the world because Chuck mm-hmm. Schumer's my good friend. Right. He's not your good friend. He's just right. a guy raising a shit ton of money. Right, right. Um, but they misunderstand that They misunderstand the that. So have, have they gotten smarter? Has tech gotten smarter? Because, you know, now Google is one of the biggest lobbyists in Washington yeah. saying, you know, just well, the way the TV industry had that, just the way everybody I mean, I, I think I would argue that you have to sort of answer that question in two parts. There's mm-hmm. there's startups and there's tech, right? Because right, tech, okay. in terms of that, they're the biggest companies in the world, right? right. So, like, mm-hmm. every massive company is going to automatically get into lots of regulated right. issues and need, get but lots of scrutiny. this is an industry largely unregulated, which we'll talk about Had also. been, yeah. yeah. But, but now been, they're starting is, to get into places right, that are about right, to yeah. change. Right. Um, and that's different from startups, which is where we tend to focus. Right. Which is, by the way, most of the regulation of that tends to be the municipal and state level. Mm-hmm. And that's more around entrepreneur either has this, has this new idea that is not covered in law because if the bureaucrats could have thought of that, they'd be right. entrepreneurs, not bureaucrats. Right. They start getting a little traction, a little market share. Entrenched interest doesn't like the competition. They're campaign donors to the governor or the mayor or whoever it is. Right. They lean on them to lean on the regulators to say, tell them this is not allowed. Right. And then we have to come in, beat up the entrenched interest, right. and make sure the law is okay. Right. So um, that's different than— So that's really different. Um, mm-hmm. And it fits into a couple of different things, right? You have your 
Googles of the world or Facebooks that mm-hmm. were created in these frictionless environments. So in some mm-hmm. ways, in the early end, it was much easier for them because they didn't right. have to. There's no, there was no big search before Google. Right, right, right? exactly. So you they're, they're in sort of green field. Yeah. Um, well, there was media. There was media, but they media mishandled it for a very long right, time. Yeah, with the right. Books so, and stuff. right. So they were able to get really big without dealing with that many political problems. Mm-hmm. The turning point was when Josh Hawley, who will hopefully lose his Senate bid in Missouri and McCaskill. So. Hopefully lose, I'm saying. I don't think he will lose. I'm just right. saying I hope he loses. Um, he was the attorney general, still mm-hmm. attorney general of Missouri. A bad attorney general. He, he filed about a year and a half ago an antitrust suit against Google. And right. the reason that was so amazing is mm-hmm. the attorney general of Missouri has no jurisdiction over right. this. Right. But his polling clearly said, and he was running for Senate, right. more of your constituents and voters are anti-Google than pro-Google. Right. You know, that went from a world where saying, don't be evil, and everyone would applaud, right. to now you have local politicians saying, Google's right. underwater in, right. in, in their approval ratings. I'm right. going to go after them, right? Right. right? That's different than... The startup in transportation, in hospitality, like and energy, like Lightbird or Airbnb or right. FanDuel or Lemonade or all these companies that are basically tweaking existing industries and trying to make them like a little better. Airbnb with the hotels, yeah, or, or the way, right? The way that you know people who yeah, like sidewalks, care of offering you know right. drugs, prescription drugs, or, or I'm sorry, supplements online, things like right. that. So right. um, yeah, exactly. So they're dealing with a different set of regulators, and mm-hmm. usually. The motives early on are entrenched interests who don't want competition, right? As opposed to or citizens that don't like. Sometimes, yeah, yeah it depends on what what the issue is, right? right. Um, as opposed to the stuff we're seeing in Washington right now, which right. are holy shit, these companies got so big so fast. Right now, we have real concerns about market power and antitrust and mm-hmm. privacy and these things. And we have to deal with it. So, I guess maybe because most of my investments and in work tend to focus on not just startups but earlier stage startups. Right, I, I don't want them quite frankly facing the tech clash. I don't right. want them getting lumped which it in. is tech clash. Yeah, I don't yeah, want them flumped in with Facebook but they are. And, and Twitter. But they, are. they are sometimes, they are. and that makes so, my job harder. So, one of the things you do is go in this book. You go through ideas about you know politics. It turns out you can fight city hall. Pick your narrative where someone else does. Subtlety died long yeah. before Twitter. People want to be led. It's all fun and games. So the idea is is trying to teach people po- politics, right? The, yeah, the, in, in a fun way. And look, right. if, if you're, I hope you buy the book. But if you don't, yeah. And there's well, you w- gave it to me. One, 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 the leader, the mm-hmm. listener. Uh, <laughs> the one lesson to take away from this is. 99.9% of politicians are desperately insecure, self-loathing people who can't live Thank with, you, Bradley. I, we got that. Yeah, actually. who can't live without the validation of holding mm-hmm. office. So right, right. the attention they get mm-hmm. in that job is like oxygen for you or me. Mm-hmm. We can't live without the oxygen. They can't live without it, mm-hmm. which means all of their decisions are going to be very logical in the sense of, does this help me win my next election or not, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want them to do or not do has to be framed in that context or they're not going to care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how moral you are or how right your issue mm-hmm. is or how many puppies you're going to save. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the homeless issue right now in San Francisco. With the, uh, see, we go ahead. Yeah. Well, look, on, on, on that issue— Well, there's a lot of tech people fighting. Fighting that on both sides of that yeah, one. But, right. but ultimately, the day-to-day would be enough people who do vote are frustrated and upset by the amount of homeless on right. the streets and they right. say, do something, right. right? And that leads to people taking right. action. Right. It's interesting that the mayor, in this case, has actually said, this is not the right way to go, which is, mm-hmm. I haven't studied the issue that closely, but it's kind of admirable for a politician mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to do that in a way. Yeah, I don't um, want to tax rich people, yeah. Or, but just the, like, this would be an easy solution to show the voters that I did something, but it's mm-hmm. not going to work, so therefore I'm not right. going to do it. right. So any back to your thing. So you, anyway, you want to give them so, some— So if, if, I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm mm-hmm. a startup and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to navigate the regulatory environment, whatever your issue is, 
if you're going to disrupt anyone with political power, they're mm-hmm. going to come after you. Mm-hmm. They don't thank you for your disruption. They don't say, oh, it's so wonderful that you're so innovative. They mm-hmm. punch you in the nose as hard as they can. Right. And the politicians that they donate money to, it's in their interest to take care of their donors mm-hmm. unless you make it so unpalatable and so uncomfortable that they can't afford to do to, it. To ignore right. you. The reason why you know we'd win these Uber fights would be a city council member who wins his or her seat with 9,000 votes, also mm-hmm. getting 14,000 emails from constituents mm-hmm. in the district saying, don't do this. Like, right. okay, I'm not going to do this, right? right? Right. So if you can't figure out how to frame your issue in that context, right. you have a really big problem. Right. You're splitting it between local and sort of national and stuff like that. And so in the next section, I do want to talk about that. I want to go through some of these things. I want to start with local so that we can figure out where that's going because a lot of these fights are local yeah. now and, and statewide. Yeah. But they then they morph into national. Um, because, for example, California has passed a lot of laws, and I think Gavin Newsom's going to run a country, a separate country, and run it as if it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. One, if, if he becomes guy, he's going yeah, to become governor. Become governor. Um, but the, the California already is out front on privacy uh, regulation, yeah. out front on energy, uh, energy out front Emissions. on all kinds of yeah. issues, especially big to tech, you know, yeah. uh, diversity, uh, net neutrality, and yeah. stuff like that. So I want to talk about all the local thing first, and then in the end talk about sort of where we are nationally, because I do think big regulations coming for tech as we move along. We're here with Bradley Tusk. He has a new book out called The Fixer, which has an evil connotation, but he has done a lot of work for startups and politics. My, my kids find the, the image on the cover a little creepy. Is it? Why? Because it's like a, a faceless man. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Anyway, we, we're going to talk more about this when we get back. His book is called The Fixer, My Adventures in Saving Startups from Death by Politics. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're here with Bradley Tusk. He is the CEO of Tusk Holdings. He's a venture capitalist, former campaign manager, Mike Bloomberg. He's been all over politics, which that's not an insult, but kind of is. Kind of is. is. And he's the author of a new book called The Fixer. And it's all about uh, saving startups from politics, which they have now been dragged into on lots of levels, social levels, you know, issues around free speech, everything else. Let's start, though, with the local stuff. So you – right now, a lot of these companies like Airbnb and Uber and now Bird – um, which is a scooter company, and yep. the others, Lime and, and Skip, and what else is there? There's so many of them. Yeah. There's like a lot of them. Multi-billion dollar valuations for yep. these things. Uber's investing in them and stuff like that. So talk a little bit about where we are on those because th- talk about your experience with Bird, with Bird. For yeah. So it's really interesting because Bird, the easy narrative for some people is to say Bird is Uber 2.0. Right. Both really, really fast-growing companies, mm-hmm. both CEOs with the name Travis, the Travis at Bird worked at Uber. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is 
in some ways they're similar, but in many ways they're different. So my vantage point is the political and regulatory strategy around legalization in different markets. Mm-hmm. With Uber, it was pretty much an all-beg-for-forgiveness approach. So when he would go in and make trouble, like, you know, was, I was yeah. just thinking the other day, someone was saying every company that's been successful has broken rules, and then they clean up afterwards. Facebook, there was uh, Google. No, so for, if, if Uber didn't take the path, I believe, that, well, mm-hmm. the, it's my they're mm-hmm. my strategy, so of course I'm defending them. But right. if we didn't take the path that we took, there wouldn't be an Uber together. Mm-hmm. It would be so, oh, remember that thing? It was kind of a cool idea. didn't yeah. make it. Taxi was so politically powerful that mm-hmm. the only way to beat them was with real people. And the mm-hmm. only way to get real people was to launch and gain some market share and then right. mobilize them. So right. that was the only conceivable strategy. It's different with Bird because there's no big scooter, mm-hmm. right? So it's not right. like we're not really <laughs> disrupting anybody. Right. Um, well, y- yes, go ahead. And, and, the, and the issues that are involved mm-hmm. in fairness to the regulators are, you know, legitimate public policy issues. Should we be on the sidewalk, on the bike lane, on the street, helmets, insurance? I mean, they're, they're fair questions, right? right. Uh, we can go through either of them. Where should you be located? All of it. Yeah, right. where should you be located? Where should you charge them? Where can you park them? Where should you ride them? Should a hand, a hand you know, a helmet be mandatory, age, minimums, right. all of that stuff? Fair questions, right? Mm-hmm. There are jurisdictions where the law clearly in no way prohibits scooters. And in mm-hmm. those cases, you, there's no reason to not launch and kind of work through that stuff right. with the local so regulators. So they just dump them on the street. In some places. And then in other places, like here, here in New York, the law clearly does not allow it, mm-hmm. and we're working with the city council right now on mm-hmm. legislation that will be introduced Yeah, there's shortly. no scooters. It's weird. It's not weird. yet. The only, my office is the only one. Yeah, I know. Now. It's weird. To not, I, like I was in D.C., I use them all the time. Yeah, they'll be here um, soon. Right, okay. um, so I, I, my hope is that by the end of this calendar year, we pass it. But, you know, Chicago, Philly, San Boston, Francisco. Seattle, seriously, we're not even there, right? right. We just passed Miami. Bird um, isn't, but the others are. The others are. Yeah, I want so, to talk about why, that, why certain ones are getting picked. Yeah, but ultimately— it's a different process because you don't have to necessarily beg for forgiveness because mm-hmm. there are places where cities— There's no laws. Yeah, there's no laws. Or they'll just say, look, we're not opposed to this, but these are valid public policy questions. Let's figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. And and to Bird's credit, a lot of what we've been tasked with is, okay, go figure it out with Chicago. Go figure it out with Seattle. Right. Go but figure initially, it out with they just dumped. They did. That was a little before we got involved. Right. Um, and there was more of the original Uber strategy right. of just dumping. Like um, 300 and, scooters Yeah, and the, and the backlash led to at least one kind of at least temporary you know, ban, which was in San Francisco, mm-hmm. where Bird right now doesn't operate. The city gave out some permits, picked a couple of winners, and mm-hmm. Bird was not one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, San Francisco, I mean, you'll either totally agree or disagree with mm-hmm. this, but— it's almost a two-part thing if you're a startup trying to enter that market compared mm-hmm. to every other market. So part of it is, you know, it's a reasonably big city, but mm-hmm. but the Bay Area is really the, where the heft is. It's not so much mm-hmm. the city itself. Mm-hmm. So it's less about market share and, and opportunity. It's more around media and VCs seeing your product and getting mm-hmm. interested in it. Now, Bird doesn't have an exposure problem, right? right. Everybody in the tech world knows Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have now is a city of 800,000 people that they can't operate in. Right, an uh, important city. Yeah, an important city. Now, th- now It'll come back because it is too important to ignore. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's such a big world out there that right now there's so much to do. And what's interesting is I believe Mm -hmm. that scooter adoption internationally is going to be a lot easier than ride-sharing adoption internationally was. Because the rest of the world is less car-centric than the U.S. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world is already used to different ways to get from point A to point B, whether Mm -hmm. it's a bike or a rickshaw. I mean, right before I invested in Bird, I happened to be in Tel Aviv, and these Mm -hmm. people were scooting by me on e-bikes. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh. This could probably cut down some traffic in Manhattan, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think in a weird way, it makes more sense and it's more intuitive to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to a lot of other markets a lot faster, and we're already in. So parts you don't of have Europe to do now. your, you know, not quite the same. Bossy, it's, 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 like, it's a different pushing. set. Now look, 
there are, in any given cases, people who are unreasonable. And mm-hmm. will we mobilize 10,000 customers to speak out on behalf yeah. of a bill? Absolutely. We're totally right. going to do that. And the other issues, along with scooters, are obviously safety, helmets, yep. Yep. deaths. There was just a death in D.C. Yep. Lime. Uh, with Lime. Yeah. <laughs> not Bird. Well, uh, I've used all of the scooters. In D- there's just two there. It seems like it's Lime and— Lime and Austin. I'm not sure if there's anyone else or not. I, I didn't see Skip it. there. Yeah. I didn't see Skip. They haven't entered there. But, you know, you, as you have these issues and they come up, this is going to be something be a continual regulatory yeah. as people aren't anticipating what could happen with these things. No, and it's also why I think we need to be able to have pretty good relationships with the regulator so I don't right. think it's a slash and burn strategy here. Right. There are other times where it's just an existential, like lemonade, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, we this is an insurance. It's an insurance startup. It's, it's grown incredibly fast and it provides property and casualty insurance online. And effectively, mm-hmm. if you have no offices, no brokers, no agents, no Super Bowl ads, and really good tech, you can offer people a much better product for much less money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is what Lemonade does. So it's right. doing it insanely well right. because lots of people, and the same way that people who had never really just used taxi were all of a sudden using UberX, right. people who just never bothered to get renter's insurance right. now are because they can get it for 5 or 10 bucks a month and they can mm-hmm. get it on an app in, in three minutes. Right. Lemonade also, by the way, doesn't investigate fraud. They just pay out the claims. So mm-hmm. it just makes life a lot easier for everyone all around. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you can't sell insurance without a license. And it's not one of these, like, maybe I can beg for forgiveness, right. I can interpret the statute this way. Right, you no. can't do it. Right. Um, and you can't really launch an insurance company in the U.S. without being able to sell in New York because it's right. the financial capital of the world. Right. And in this case, the regulators, the State Department of Financial Services, were just in their in kind of very bureaucratic way saying, you know, you'll launch when I say so, and if this is at the bottom of my desk and I don't get to it for nine months, that's your problem. There's nothing you can do about it because mm-hmm. I'm the one in charge, right. which worked until Lemonade hired us and we invested and took equity, and then all of a sudden we shifted the decision-making from the agency to the governor's office, mm-hmm. made it a political issue for the governor. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I had to sort of call over there and say, look, front page of tomorrow's Wall Street Journal is going to say one of two things. A hot, great insurance startup leaves New York because of corruption and bureaucracy, or low-cost insurance launches in New York, thanks to mm-hmm. Governor. You mm-hmm. guys pick. Right. We got our oh, do you really time. make calls like that, Brad? Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, we got our license. Because I can run the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Um, I got it dialed in over there. there. There's a reason why sometimes a high-profile attack, it, it, right. it helps you in 10 other campaigns right. where you actually right. don't have to attack because they just mm-hmm. know that you can mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's insurance. Yep. And then another local one. Uh, FanDuel. Fandle, right. right. So Explain fantasy sports. So Fandle right now is a fantasy sports platform where people mm-hmm. can pick lineups right. uh, and, and bet uh, based on skill money on right. that. And betting has been a big issue. Always right. because yeah. it's, there's a lot of money in it. Right. It's always politically controversial. Right. It tends to be not liked by both the far left and right. the far right, right for different right. reasons but still not right. liked. So we – Fandle had, and DraftKings both kind of just launched and they grew into right. these really big businesses really fast. Mm-hmm. Didn't really deal with any of the political ramifications of what they actually needed in terms of licenses or permits or laws right. or anything else. Right. And then all of a sudden the Times publishes this story in October of 2015 saying – effectively charging that there's insider trading or people on the DraftKings employees using proprietary information to win money on the Fanduel site. Right, right. Uh, that right. actually even turned out to not be true, mm-hmm. but it just set off this shitstorm, right? Yes. All of a sudden, attorney generals from all over the U.S. are investigating. States left and right are p- popular legislation saying we're going to ban Fanduel, we're going to ban DraftKings. And we had to go run campaigns in over 20 states to legalize the product. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, fantasy sports is one of those things that regular people who do play it really like care it. about. Right. Yeah. Like so like it. these these bros who love fantasy football, uh-huh. not only do they not know who their state rep is, they may not know that there's even such a thing as a state rep, right? right. But when it was like, look, if you, you want to keep playing it. this thing, you got to send this email, you got to tweet, 
they did. And so we were able to legalize it. But what's interesting now is the Supreme Court in May overturned a, a law called PASPA, which prohibited the states from conducting their own sports betting. So now every state can decide for itself whether or not it wants to do sports betting, right. which means you're going to have this free-for-all battle royale in every state capital now over the next couple of years for who gets those licenses. And then and who gets the licenses and then also people who are against it because there's a big yeah. constituency yeah, that's you're against gonna it. Yeah, you're going to have states like New York. Actually, this is probably way too policy esoteric, but – the blue states that got screwed over in the Trump tax bill by the elimination of the SALT deduction uh-huh. are really going to need revenue. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, things like sports betting or recreational cannabis are going to be really appealing right. to them. Get because to marijuana, yeah, in a because it's a way to generate revenue without having mm-hmm. to tax regular people. So it's politically mm-hmm. safer and easier. So that, I think, will carry the day in those states. I think in red states where, A, there's a bigger kind of Christian right presence politically, mm-hmm. and, B, they didn't get screwed over in the tax bill in the first place, it's going to go a lot slower. So, mm-hmm. like, Texas is still going to be years away. Right. But New York, and Illinois— And they're willing to forego this— it's Totally, income. because the political pain there would be right. greater than the political benefit of the income that would bring. Right. It's, all, it's just a calculation, but that's right. the calculation, whereas right. New York, Illinois, constituents don't really care. Right. But they don't want to, like, have services cut or pay more taxes. So whether right. it's Cuomo, New York, or it's going to be, uh, you know, Pritzker in Illinois, mm-hmm. um, they're going to do this. Right. So you moved over to cannabis, too. Because yes. that's another one. So betting cannabis. This is another yeah, local totally local. Except so, that Jeff Sessions keeps, that little goblin keeps weighing in. Yeah, it's a really fascinating issue. So um, we're uh, in a company called Ease, which, uh, mm-hmm. for those of you in California know, it, it's, it's Uber for weed. And it's mm-hmm. literally on-demand weed. Right. You, you scan your driver's license. Call it. You bring and it. And they, they bring it There's to you. There's marijuana everywhere minutes. in California. Yeah, There's I've, nowhere you I've, can't get it. I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, um, but even when California legalized recreational— And, uh, and Colorado had before in Oregon, yep, is that yep, right? Yeah, uh, Washington State, Washington State. Alaska. But the decision to allow delivery is a local decision, a municipal mm-hmm. decision, not right. a state decision. And so, explain how the local works. You put in your driver's license. Yep, you put in your, you put in your driver's license and— you answer a couple of questions, and then assuming they, they, they scan it and mm-hmm. check it against the database, and if you're approved, then they can deliver you cannabis. Right. And it's drivers, not unlike right. you know, they go to dispensaries any other and product. They get it, yeah, they, they get it and they bring it to they you. They don't hold the inventory. That- Right, no, they're there. just moving it from point A to right, point right, B. Right, yeah. uh, and you're paying on a credit card, so they're not walking around with lots of cash mm-hmm, either. Right. And the decision to whether or not to allow that in any given jurisdiction, at least in California, is a municipal decision. So we had to run campaigns in L.A., San Jose, all of these different markets mm-hmm. to allow delivery in the first place. So it couldn't be more local. What's really interesting about this issue, or at least for people like me, is you have this incredible juxtaposition where it's everywhere in California, it's illegal on every different level, mm-hmm. and yet federally, it's still completely illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Cannabis is a Schedule One drug, which is right. like heroin or mm-hmm. co- cocaine. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a VC standpoint, it makes investing in the sector, I would argue, a little tricky because right. – We're allowed to invest in whatever we want, but we don't have that much institutional money because we're a relatively small early stage fund. But if you're a big venture fund and you have a lot of pension money and endowment money, you're not allowed to invest in cannabis because it's still illegal federally, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Indiana teacher's retirement system doesn't want you doing it, and they've given you $100 million or whatever it is. But what it means is there's less liquidity, less money from VCs to go into cannabis tech than other sectors, which means the ability to lose money while you're scaling is a lot less than it is for, say, Bird, right? Right. They can just put scooters everywhere and it doesn't really matter. Right. And people like me can negotiate much better terms because there's fewer What's the challenge locally with these as you move in? Because the states, there's going to be more and more recreational So the states are going to keep going. I think you'll see another half a dozen states in in 2019. Which ones are coming? Uh, New Jersey, New York, Illinois, Connecticut— 
Um, All the Ohio, states, yeah, yeah it's, it's the states that are going to lose a ton of money in the salt deduction that was removed from the federal tax right. bill. They've got to make it up somewhere, right? So those and are the states, states that would and the people and the voters are there. They're the first pro-gay states. So yeah, first, yeah, I mean the, the voters, the, the views on this thing have evolved so mm-hmm. much that it's you know basically polls two to one nationally now. Right. So states have to decide whether not to allow it recreationally or medicinally. Mm-hmm. But I think you mm-hmm. know, and then. The issue of delivery will be different everywhere, right? right. And some states right. will say, you know what, we need to throw a bone to all the local mayors. So we'll give them the power to decide this, and they can wrench concessions or whatever we need out of the delivery companies. Right. Other places, it'll be included in the statewide legislation. Right. Um, so it, it's kind of like um, sports betting or esports right. or a lot of these kind of new sectors, autonomous. It's going to take on a totally different patchwork regulatory and system. And then there's everywhere. one more local issue I want to talk about, which is like this was having in San Francisco on homelessness, is that tech companies living there and whether the cities acquiesce to them too much, just like what, what, what Bezos is doing in the Amazon headquarter yeah. fight and yeah. stuff like that, and whether mayors are too, like there was a whole Ed Lee who had died, was considered in the pocket of tech and yeah. stuff like that, and whether these very wealthy people should ha- be getting these breaks or what they should do to the to contribute to the fabric of the city. And right now there's a fight in San Francisco over homelessness, and there's yeah. many sides to this, whether they should tax these businesses, which are big employers. Yeah. In San Francisco, for example, that's just a good example of it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a tough issue because in in some ways, cities bend over backwards to accommodate tax because they want the or, the job yeah. creation. And they, right. or, by the way, right, anyone to right. politically nothing better than a car plant. Right, right. that's yeah. a million times better right. than a startup. Right, uh, or even a big Facebook office or something like right. that. Politicians will spend taxpayer money in different ways to be able to have the announcement that they just created two thousand jobs, right. or whatever it is. Right. So, I mean, that's been true throughout time. That's still true. The question, I, th- I think to me the real challenge is tech often lives in isolation in these cities. They're kind of walled off. And as right. a result, they're not part of the discussion, right? So, mm-hmm. like, take out like Aaron Peskin, who's a, a really well-known supervisor in San Francisco and leads a lot of the kind of anti-tech he legislation. Does. He's exhausting. But one of the things about— Aaron the, Peskin, you're exhausting. Yeah. But w- for his politics— mm-hmm. The people who vote in a supervisor, board of supervisors primary mm-hmm. are not tech employees, right? right? There are people who have been in that district for and 40 they're years. The going they're up. sick of the rents going up. They're being mm-hmm. priced out. So it's good politics for him to lead those issues. Mm-hmm. And if tech wanted to, A, stop the Arapescans of the world, and B, be more integrated into the decision-making so you're not either the hero or the villain at all times— right you got to get more engaged, right? If you're a big startup in San Francisco, you are crazy on primary day not to basically tell everyone no one comes in until noon because I need you all to go vote, right? right? You are crazy Mm -hmm. not to try to put your people on community boards. You know, you have to be able to start integrating because if you plan to be in this city, your ability to either protect yourself politically, advocate for yourself, or get fucked politically right. is totally based on how engaged in the system right. you are. Right. And this sort of arrogant notion of, well, I'm saving the world, so therefore I don't have to do anything else. Or I'm else. sitting up in my airy with yeah. my food, fantastic food doesn't work. below the right. streets are disgusting and I've it, caused damage. It doesn't work. I mean, you had the uh, a column a couple of weeks ago. We talked about mm-hmm. a chief ethics officer for, right. for tech this week, companies yeah. or mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. And I would love to see that. You could even take it a step below and just say, mm-hmm. how about a VP for common sense, right? <laughs> We have all these people living on the street, and yeah. we're bringing in these massive, expensive, catered meals. Mm-hmm. It looks fucking awful. We're going right. to do something about this problem. Right. And that might be that we're going to do a big Meals on Wheels thing. or we're Well, it's only Benny or, who's done that. Who's, he's uh, been great. Right. Yeah, he's been terrific. Right. But, but And pissed off the others, too. Yeah, I've noticed the, the, the fighting. Yeah. Well, he changed his mind. It was I interesting. I had some interesting discussions with others. He was against Proposition C, which was this homeless uh, fundraising initiative. And then he, and in emails, I have emails where he's saying he's against it. And then he changes his mind. No, he's, for and he's for it. And and what was great was they were, his, the people who were mad 
Adam about that were like, well, he was against it, and now he's for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. What made him change his mind? Oh, he's saying it was because of ancient aliens. We have a joke. But no, he said he read some stuff, and he just decided there wasn't a better option, and we needed to do something now. Fair like, enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he and what was great about him is he goes, well, I was against it till I was for it, so what? And yeah. then they were like, uh, he can't do that. I'm like, mm, he kind of can. And look, and especially in He's politics smart. and government, you yeah. cannot let the perfect be the end right. of the good. I think that he was, you know, I think the issue was he went against London Breed, who's the new mayor yeah. there, and and she wasn't for it, which you're right. She did, she has sort of, st- why not take money from rich people, which she doesn't want because she doesn't think it's, the, the, it's a problematic legislation, but... I think it's trying to deal with an issue that yeah. is, is massive in San Francisco. So just summing up local, so people should be involved if you're in tech, whatever, you're in Austin or you're in Santa Monica. Look, or, if you were a total, ironically, a, Salesforce is basically a B2B company that's mm-hmm. not that regulated, and yet right. they are heavily engaged yeah. in the community. Yeah. If, if you're working in an industry that's just never going to touch regulation at all, I guess do what you want. Right. Um, the vast majority of companies are regulated either directly or indirectly, mm-hmm. and the optics and the narrative that you have around your company has mm-hmm. a huge impact on the regulations you then face, and you've got to be mindful For of local. that. For local. So when we get yeah. back, we're going to talk about national legislation. Yeah. I recently wrote about the Internet Bill of Rights. So, There's all kinds of stuff with Facebook and Google and yep. now the Saudis and stuff like that. So when we get back, we're going to talk about that. We're here with Bradley Tusk, the CEO of Tusk Holdings. We're talking about his new book called The Fixer. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're here with Bradley Tusk. He has written a new book. He's been around in the swamp for so long, right? You're a swamp monster. I'm I'm dripping wet. Dripping wet. Um, His new book is called The Fixer, My Adventure Saving Startups from Death by Politics. That's very dramatic, Bradley. My editor. Yeah, that's good. It's good. It's good. And you got like, so national politics. Right now we're heading into the midterm election. Give me your predictions, please. I need, I need everybody. Um, You know, despite this sort of 
talk in the last week or so of a resurgent red wave. I still mm-hmm. think the math means that the Democrats take the House, maybe with less of a majority than they right. expected. Right, so they just need 23, the so they get yeah. 24, who cares? Something like that, right. 24 and will give them... The Senate's not going to be there. It's funny, because like, if you take Beto, for example, like mm-hmm. really exciting candidate. My wife's from Austin, her family lives there. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, no, 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 he can't win, he can't win. I understand politics, he can't win. And then eventually, because he's like the most popular guy like in Manhattan or I imagine yeah. San Francisco, well, he's too. he's close. I'll tell you, he's um, gotten, it's pretty good. But it's always been like eight points or something mm-hmm. like that. In reality, if you look at the internals, mm-hmm. those are hard races to win, which right. means given the map this year, well, the Senate Republicans in a normal year should have done, increased the majority by five or six seats. Right. I think they may stay flat or increase it by, say, two or three seats. Mm-hmm. It's actually not not a bad outcome for the Democrats. Right. Considering, and the governors are picking up a and lot. And the governors are going to pick up a lot. And mm-hmm. you have, in some ways, like That's Florida. Losing governors is more important, I think. I mean, look, having worked in the mm-hmm. Senate and having been a deputy governor of a big mm-hmm. state, it is far more important running a state. You have mm-hmm. far more responsibility, mm-hmm. far more power, far right. more everything. Like, yes, you yeah. can't declare war, right. but short of that— California might. It, Texas seems to want There's to do that There's all these people in California want to break free. It's kind of funny when I—I I was like, we're going to need a lot more guns. <laughs> we're going to do that. I mean, need a lot more guns. This is a, this is a somewhat yeah. depressing scenario, but you could see a, a world one day where we're multiple countries, and mm-hmm. you know, we're in some version yeah. of the EU with shared, right. some shared infrastructure, yeah. but ultimately you can say— like, California, take, we're going to take all our fantastic fruits and vegetables yeah, if, and screw you. If people count, yeah, we want gay they'll, people they'll, to be happy. They'll trade it. and start putting tariffs on it. But like, right. ultimately, if you let's say that you are pro-life and right. you truly believe abortion is murder, like I understand that you're fighting hard for that right. position, right? Like I don't agree with it, but I, right. I get it. Or like I don't really see why people need to have guns. Right. But you know, my wife's a Texan and mm-hmm. her family feels very differently about mm-hmm. that. So you could see a world where people say we just disagree so strongly on so many threshold fundamental issues. Mm-hmm. We're just going to make our own laws, kind of like California is doing already, mm-hmm. govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. We'll defend each other if there's an attack. Uh, right. We'll trade with each other. We'll share highways and things like that. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, mm-hmm. you know, we're That's our own That's where we deal. are now, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> we are in, on name only. Um, but there's not going to be like three Californias and things like that. Be, not yet. Not yet. Mm, we'll see. Um, but I do think California is going to operate like its own its own country soon. Like it yeah, I, mean, I think Newsom certainly has that that vision. He's got a lot of mind. ideas about employment. He's got a lot of enjoyment. And by the way, you know what? There's no point in being in government to maintain the status quo. Right. Anybody can do nothing. Right. Exactly. Right. If you're going to take right. the time and and I take agree. all the arrows and slings involved, I'm good with it. Hey, he did gay marriage. You he gotta, did. He, yeah. He ran right. out front way before anybody else, right. and it's you, leadership. You it's called leadership. Do stuff. That's right. So let's talk nationally. So where are we nationally with the big with the big you know, if you were advising Facebook or Google, I think they're yeah. the ones in the crosshairs. Those Mo- the two. most, right? And Apple's not really, Microsoft's not really, but they're getting pulled into it because they of, get and they're furious in. about it. They're yeah. like, they're like having you know unprotected sex, and we're getting the clap. Essentially, right. that's, I'm going to use that metaphor. <laughs> that's we've seen that. I've heard it. Yeah. Yes, we don't want the clap. We didn't. Right. We're not promiscuous like they are. So if I were Facebook, yeah. I mean, it seemed to me when you watched the Zuckerberg hearings, mm-hmm. what I found infuriating mm-hmm. was. They both maintain, both him and the senators, mm-hmm. just maintain this ridiculous fiction right? where they both clung to a version of reality that everyone knows isn't true, right? Mm-hmm. So Zuckerberg says, oh, you can have all of your cat photos and keep mm-hmm. up with your eighth grade friends, and we're still going to we'll respect your privacy and protect your data and everything else. That's absolutely not true because mm-hmm. definitionally the reason someone would buy a share of stock in Facebook is in return for being able to get the cat photos, mm-hmm. you are agreeing to provide data that could be monetized. Right. That's right. the whole underlying right. business Although model. Although they don't explain that explicitly, but yes, go ahead. No, but that's what it is, right? Yes, but they and sell it, everything. They, like, they sure. would sell your shoes if they could. Look For on. sure. So, but, right. but they don't admit that, which right. I actually think people are able to understand the truth a lot better. Right. And the senators on the flip side were like, oh, you should be able to get 
everything you want from Facebook and have nothing monetized, also right. impossible. Right. That's not capitalism, right. right? And I really think the American people are able to under, uh, handle the truth and just say, this is what it costs to go on Facebook in terms of and being monetized, in terms of privacy. Here's the risk. Here's the reward. You decide. Um, right. And, and I honestly think that if Facebook said, this is who we are, we've invented something that we think is pretty great, but mm-hmm. it's brand new, so there's lots of unknown consequences, right. and said to the government, let's sit down together and just try to work through all of this stuff because we have ideas, like you have they ideas. Were the mayor. Was yeah, yeah. And, and just do that, work Here's with the Congress, problem. with the FTC. They act That's like what they're I running do. it well, and they're not running it well. Like, I think they've just run it badly. They've let the, they've had, they the had leaks everywhere. They've been lazy in management. Like, all these companies, they've been sloppy. Right. But like, they don't even need to pretend that they have all the answers, right? No, of course it, it not. Would be, but, but they've resisted it completely. I know, they, but, but I don't no, think they, anyone well, would think worse Well, because of the Communications Decency Act, the original sin, which is this, uh, Section 230, yeah. where they get broad immunity. So why would you clean up the... the, the well, this the, gets back to the earlier Why would you clean up the oil spill when you're not sense? immune to, yeah, you're but, immune to the uh, oil spill? Because common sense, ultimately, you know, there's this of quote course. from Pericles, right? Just because you don't take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. Absolutely. And that's what's happening right now. So they are far better off, even at this late stage, saying... There's so much we don't know and so much you don't know. Let's sit down together and figure it out. They're mm-hmm. far better off having a seat at the table than resisting, resisting, well, resisting until they lose. Well, they kind of did that. The con- some of the conversations like, what do you want to do, Mark Zuckerberg? I'm like, let's not ask Mark today. Let's find some experts to look at his yeah, business. But there should be a real process, right? right? And there so what do you imagine is going to happen? I don't think either side will do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because that would be way too logical. So it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I think right. Facebook will keep obfuscating and keep acting like they're doing everything right. When and, no, they you know, aren't now. They're saying I'm sorry every. It's well, like sometimes the, the polls the weekly, say they I'm do sorry. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I think for as long as the polls say that Facebook's unpopular, mm-hmm. then politicians are just going to go after them because that's that makes good politics, right? Which they do. Yep. Which those polls do. And then you're going to have, I think, a divided Congress, most mm-hmm. likely, and a crazy White House. Mm-hmm. And unless like the FTC or some agency brings an action, well, they don't have power. That's one of the issues in yeah. this Internet Bill of Rights is giving the FTC more right. regulatory. Maybe DOJ right. has some jurisdiction in different ways. But unless that happens, my guess is if you're Facebook, you have two paths, right? You could just bottle shit up for as long as possible, mm-hmm. deny reality, mm-hmm. and just keep making as much money as you can. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, at some point, reality is going to set and we're going to have to deal with this stuff. Why don't we get ahead of it and try to deal with it now and bring in the agencies, both parties, the advocates, the experts, the professors, mm-hmm all around one table, it's going to be a brutal, painful, slow process, mm-hmm. but at least we're actually trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and enact some laws around privacy. Yeah, around, absolutely. You're going to end up like with Like a it. national privacy law versus the one in California, Th- which there's is no, the most stringent. Right. And then ultimately, California might end up driving a lot of it anyway because companies don't want to have to ha- live by two sets of standards within the U.S., right? Right, right, right. So, yeah, if I were Facebook, I would be a lot more proactive at it, both because I think you'll get to the better result, mm-hmm. and I think also the optics and politics for you what, along the way. And you think the they've way. been smart? No, not really. Right. I just think that they think, and sort of politicians think, that most people are stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think people are a lot smarter than they get What about Google? Google's interesting, right? Because it's it doesn't have quite the same fallibility as Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's they've a call, made so many of the mistakes, but they still have this fake news stuff, the bot stuff. They have right? issues. So there's two things, right? So there's the issues around things like... Fake news and privacy and bots. And whether they're conservative right. bias. Yeah, and I think that's all, again, I would do the Facebook answer there and say let's work proactively with the government to try to figure out what to do about this because these are new issues and mm-hmm. we don't know the answers either. Mm-hmm. Um, antitrust is a different question, right? right? They very that's, well— We're getting to Amazon in a minute. Yeah, but I so, want to get to so, like, the so, fake news right, because so, it has political elements, right? Yeah, for sure. But if you're Google— I mean, look, maybe they're so smart that they know the exact answer and they're just not telling right. us. But my guess is they right. have no fucking idea. And right. so as a result— why not just admit that 
and be part of a process to try to figure you see, out the right solution. You're advocating they get ahead of it right That's now. That's what I would do. Right. It seems to have gone too far. I think the Democrats are out for blood. Now. For, for now, for but the you know Russia what? Thing, for, yeah, uh, yeah, but but they'll, they'll there could be it. yeah they'll get over it. You can get your you know you can pay your pound of flesh, but still long term it's a lot bigger. Uh, Amazon. Yeah, so I mean the, that's local and federal, right? And well, it's global. funny because they're the darling locally, at least until they tell which comp- cities all the other ones are not going to get HQ. Right, I know that's what but Scott Gallery said. There's going to be 140 other cities that are pissed at them. Yeah, exactly. But until that moment, they are the darling of cities, mm-hmm. they have all kinds of local issues, like, for example, can they start delivering with drones, right, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and then on the federal level, they've got antitrust. I think one brilliant of many brilliant things that Jeff Bezos did is in buying the Washington Post, whether he meant to do this or not, um, he made the enemy of my enemy your friend. Mm-hmm. So people who would normally be very anti-Amazon because they are this insanely powerful giant company mm-hmm. with massive market power hate Trump. And the Washington Post is, you know, one of the two newspapers that's sort of been mm-hmm. most aggressive in exposing mm-hmm. Trump. And because Bezos owns the Washington Post, I think he actually gets a huge amount of protection from that because yeah. he gets credit for that. He has a team of investigative journalists who can right. be helpful. If I were a, if I were Zuckerberg, I would be looking to buy every newspaper I could. Right ah, now. Ah, why, why the New York Times? It doesn't not, matter how much sale. money it makes or loses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not the point. He's not that smart. Je- Bezos is brilliant. I, I mean, if anyone understood that on the front end, it was probably him. And he doesn't say much either. That's, That's even thing. smarter. You know what I mean? He stays away and he doesn't engage and he doesn't appear. Yeah, he doesn't have nearly as many I'm amazed he hasn't been summoned to Congress, but he hasn't. Not yet. Not yet. It'll be interesting to see if he does. I, I don't I, think I, they do. But if he are. does, I bet he will handle it reasonably well. Yeah. Oh, everything course, he's, he's done. Adult. Yeah, he's everything he's adult. done indicates that he will. Yeah. So I want to finish up talking about some of these things. I love your headlines. My favorite is uh, pick your enemies equals win your battles. Strangle the baby in the crib. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like a high school. There's actually a chapter about Anthony Weiner <laughs> yes, keeping yeah, him out of the matrix. Yes, but I like, I like the, I li- it sounds like a, a, like a, like a haiku of, of, of politics that I love. Um, but you were talking about the biggest disruption fight of them all. Yeah. I want to finish on that really quickly. What uh, politics? Yeah. So in my work in politics and tech, mm-hmm. I've reached three conclusions. One okay. I've already mentioned here, which is mm-hmm. I believe that all political outputs are driven by the input. So mm-hmm. every decision a politician makes is solely based on the ability to keep mm-hmm. their job and nothing right. else. Right. Number two, what I learned with Uber and FanDuel and Bird now is mm-hmm. if you give people the ability to advocate politically on their phone, they will do so. Mm-hmm. The same people who never vote in a primary, mm-hmm. but I don't know what primary day is, mm-hmm. are far more likely to mm-hmm. act. By the way, I've had them acting on behalf of for-profit companies, gambling right. companies in some cases, right? right? But nonetheless, so they care about whatever it is. Activism. Yeah, and they're Hashtag, willing to do yeah. it, right? right? So that's number two. And then number Hashtag. three is – Blockchain, for everything we can tell right now, is dramatically safer than any other way to transmit data from point A to mm-hmm. point B. It's mm-hmm. certainly safer than the way elections. You know, I think about like the campaigns that I ran, like in 09. I mean, do you know how New York City campaign works at the end of the day? Like at nine o'clock at night, the polls close, and some poll worker, you know, calls into central headquarters in Queens and says, you know, Bloomberg 232, Ferrer 119, and that's it. That's right, the yeah. vote, right? Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. be anything. Right. So, like the system You're we have right now, it's a disaster, of, right? Right. So, if you take those three pieces, Ron Wyden talks about this a lot. Yeah, he's right. So, you take these three pieces, at least the fact that there may be a way to pro- provide people the ability to vote in elections on their phones over the blockchain. Right. So, what I'm trying to do right now is just gain some proof of concept. So, West right. Virginia was the first state to do it. They did it in their primary in May. They're doing it again in their general election mm-hmm. now. It's for deployed military. You know, the Republicans aren't going to like this because well, poor people have phones. What's interesting is in this case, in, to his great credit, the Secretary of State of West Virginia is a Republican. He's, mm-hmm. He was in the military. All four of his kids mm-hmm. are in the military. And he was offended by the notion that these people who are putting their lives on the line for our right to vote, right, their votes vote. never count, right? Right, um, right. He's mailing from Kandahar like a month mm-hmm. later, right? So um, 
we teamed up together. Uh, I paid for the cost for the state to administer the election. Uh, so we avoided all the RFP type issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it was expanded from two counties in the primary to 24 counties in the general. Uh, mm-hmm. We're now talking to lots of different states. Seems like mm-hmm. Colorado is the most likely next candidate um, to do municipal elections next year. Mm-hmm. And my hope is over the next couple of years is to prove this thing can work. I'm not an investor in any of the underlying companies because mm-hmm. I want to not care who wins. Right. right? So why different- is this important to you? Because it's the only way to fix democracy, right? right. Like take take an assault weapons ban, right. right? You're a Republican congressman from Florida. Turnout is twelve percent in your primary. Your district is gerrymandered. Shitty turnout. Yeah, and your district is gerrymandered, so the primary is the general election. Mm-hmm. Of that twelve percent, half are NRA members. You probably know intellectually that that people toting an AK-47 on your district is not a good idea, yeah. but you can't risk alienating 50% right. of your primary voters. Right. Now, people can vote in that same election on right. their phone. Turnout goes from 12% to 60%. Right. The NRA's vote share goes from 50% to 10%. Right. The politics flip no, completely. Yeah. And then it would make yeah. no sense to not be for an assault weapons right. ban. Right? So right. I don't think that we can solve any of these issues— because fundamentally, turnout, primary turnout is so idea, low. It's a big idea, Bradley. It is a big idea. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. You know, years, but, you know, years think ago, about your, I, wouldn't your kids expect to be able to vote in an election on their phone? They should. Everybody Correct. should because so poor people got, can. They don't have to – old people can. They don't have to drag themselves down to a – Right. Disabled. Yeah. We've yeah. got to get it to a place – Right. Between now and they're all voting age, right. where we've proven that it's completely safe. Right. It was interesting. I was on a program on Meet the Press a hundred years ago, like t- five years ago, and I guess David Gregory was still there. And I was ha- they I was saying it was talking about um, voting online. I kept saying we've got to vote on our phones. Yeah. That's where it's got to go. There's got to be some safe. Oh, it could be hacked. I'm like, no, no. We'll figure out a way to do it. That it's so much safer than a box of like yeah. ballots or a ridiculous. computer the that people you can say fuck, that have never a local worked on a computer that yeah. you can fuck with. And I was like, it's going to be on the phone. There's going to be some very good way of doing this. It's not hackable. That is not this. And blockchain, of course, didn't exist then. And I said, but it's going to be this way. And, you know, one of the 100-year-old white men on the panel was like, well, I like going down and putting an X on my paper and putting – I said, when is the last time you put an X on a paper, Grampy? You know what I mean? It was like – it was crazy. It was like nobody votes like that. They vote in those machines and the little things. And so it was sort of this romanticized version of voting, like one man, one – Don't you think they also think that maybe only people as erudite as them should be voting in the first place? Yes, I do. Oh, 100%. That was exactly right. Like if you can – you know, they've never had – a barrier to voting, and other people have. They've right. never had. They've never had a barrier to anything. Anything. Yeah. anything, and so they don't understand. Even my own kids. I'm like, do you know other people's struggle? I just don't know if you understand that. You know, you live in a bubble of like white yeah, guy, like, and so, yeah. so, um, and and in my kid's case, tall white guy, tall white guy with blue eyes. Like, it just goes on and on and on for them, which is really, you know, they just get more and more advantages as they go along. But what was interesting? So I was talking about this. I said, we're going to vote online someday. We're just going to vote online. So I was like, I don't care all your romantic. We're going to vote online someday. So yep. poor people can vote, old people can vote, people can't get to the polls. It'll, yep. it'll everyone will vote then, and that because it's easy because people could do. You know, I said people call Ubers, they call, um, you know, I said like Tinder. Tinder really works. Like, it really works. And someone goes, you know, it really is good. You can match people so quickly. And, you know, it's how we should do everything. Every government service should be using these commercial technologies. And one of the people on the show goes, you're comparing voting to Tinder like that? And I go, no, Tinder works. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? more like, people use Tinder. Like, Tinder's useful and works yeah. and, and, and it effective. makes sense and it was and effective and you get what you want by the yeah, end of totally. the night. You so know? look, you, you, the trick I think is to let the genie out of the bottle. So if right. you think about our Uber conversation earlier, right. we knew that once we exposed people in markets to this new service that was so much better than taxi, mm-hmm. they'd fight for it because right. they didn't want to go back to taxi, right? right? So I think same thing here. If we show right. people that, hey, look at how much right. easier it is and they feel like, hey, I got to do this yeah. thing without having this whole pain in the ass right, process. I'm doing this with you, Bradley. I All think right, it's cool. critical. I Great. think it's a critically important issue. I think it's uh, voting on it's 
It's got voting has to. You just need to vote in everything. You're right about guns, about all kinds of things, about all kinds. Of, and it's not just progressive causes. It's just we will not be the tyranny of like four ranchers from Montana deciding yeah, our fate. Special interest. Like, on the I'm probably, happy the for them to have their say. The right, whatever it right. is. It's just you should want yes. the mainstream participation. Exactly. Anyway, this is great talking Thank to you. you. This is a great me. book. It's called The Fixer: My Adventures. Saving Startups from Death by Politics is by Bradley Tusk, and he is a fixer for sure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. Recode Decode has been nominated for Best Science and Tech Podcast in the inaugural iHeartRadio Podcast Awards, which is funny because when I went to see Bob Pittman on podcast, he said, do terrestrial radio. Anyway, I'm glad he's having the awards. We'd really appreciate it if you Mazel voted tov. for us. Mazel tov, yeah. You can cast up to five votes for Rico D. Oh, dead people can vote. For Rico D. Please, all dead people <laughs> vote. We're going to be able to vote <laughs> on your, in elections and on this. Bradley, get right. on it for yeah, me, exactly. okay? Get I'm some fraud going. Get a campaign going. Every day at iHeart.com slash podcast awards, voting in Sunday, January 6th. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. I can be found at Kara Swisher on Twitter. Bradley, where can you be found? At, on Twitter at Bradley Tusk. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. 